Welcome to Beyond This Point. I'm Gabriel Stromberg, Creative Director of Civilization. So, what is the point of Beyond This Point? The inspiration for this podcast really came about through our studio, being so inspired by those around us who we work, collaborate, and engage with. Artists, business owners, designers, and leaders of all types. We recognize the value in having access to these distinct perspectives and wanted to create a conversation that puts a spotlight on different ways of seeing, thinking, and making. This episode of Beyond This Point brought us to the gorgeous Design Within Reach showroom in Belltown. We had a packed house of artists, musicians, and creators of all sorts. On this episode, I talk with two people who are both raising the creative bar in Seattle through their incredible work. My first guest was Kate Wallach. Kate is an award-winning Seattle-based choreographer and director. This year, she was named one of Dance Magazine's Once to Watch. She co-founded her dance company, The YC, with Lavinia Vago in 2010. Earlier this year, she debuted her second evening-length work at On the Boards, The Amazing Splurgeland. Kate is also recognized as one of Seattle's top contemporary dance teachers. My second guest was the one and only Maria Bianco founder and owner of Bianco Artists, which includes on its roster some of the most amazing photographers, directors, and stylists working not just in the Northwest or the country, but in the world. Her artists produce phenomenal work, which is continually acknowledged by industry publications like Photo District News and Communication Arts. I'm such a huge fan of her roster. People like Charlie Shuck, Amanda Ringstad, Kyle Johnson, Adam Hoff, These are people that I will jump at any chance to work with. Seriously wonderful stuff. The theme of this episode is art versus commerce, two concepts that are commonly seen as being at odds with one another. But as you'll hear, don't always have to be. Though these two women are working in two very different fields, they have each found a way for art and commerce to coexist in a really beautiful way that I believe we can all learn from. And now, let's go beyond this point. So we met about a week ago to discuss what we would talk about tonight, and we came up with the theme of art versus commerce. And I think it's really interesting that there is this, um, these two concepts are commonly seen as being at odds with one another. But what I think, what makes you two so unique in what you do is that you seem to have achieved this really beautiful balance, these two things. They really uh, exist in harmony in what you do. Could you just talk a little bit about, about how you achieve this balance between, um, between business, design, accessibility, aesthetic vision, art, and commerce? Those two things are really difficult in the performing arts world. Um, not the creative side, not the, the, the vision, the artistic side, but when money comes into play and how to market yourself and how to brand yourself as an artist. You know, most of my work is grant funded and, um, but I've, I've found, I'm, I've begun to find a balance between those two. At first, like when I was starting to make work, it was really difficult. A lot of what I was creating was based off of the amount of grant money I received or commission work from a presenter. But now I'm starting to find this balance. I recently went through a rebirth rebrand with a design firm Shore and I found that I'm um, a huge fan of those guys yeah they're incredible so when I worked with them we really tried to find this way to market myself as and my company as not just one thing and 
through that process, I found that now I'm getting work in very many different ways and funding for my work is coming from different places rather than just grant funded projects. So yeah, I've, I found, and, and before working with Shore, like it, I, I didn't really know where to start when it came to marketing, when it came to communications and how to market myself as an artist basically. You, you work in a realm that's uh, extremely creatively centered, but you did have an inkling that those things were important, design, marketing, strategy. Yeah, um, well, I think that, you know, I, I create work that is, it's designed. All of it is, is about design. Um, it's the, the design of the body uh, and how that relates to space, how that relates to audiences. And I, I definitely have a certain aesthetic and I, you know, yeah. through the people in the community that I am around all the time, it, it was natural to be drawn to good design. Um, I think it's yeah. interesting that you say that as a choreographer and a dancer, uh, that design is so important because um, as a designer, your piece Splurge Land was probably one of the most inspiring things I saw all year. Oh, that's so nice. That's so nice. It's true. <laughs> so, Maria, you're an agent and business owner, but you're, you're also so much more. You're a, you're a tastemaker, a visionary, uh, and there's seriously an amazing creative point of view behind Bianco Artists, and I also really admire that your business perspective is so artist-focused. So, again, like, how do you achieve this balance? Well, that was definitely my main goal in starting the company that I started because I've worked as a commercial agent for 15 years in all different markets in every, every region. And through that process, I realized that I didn't want to have to just work with somebody that I knew I could make money on. Like, I wanted to work with somebody that I wanted to support creatively and make something bigger than what was going to be on a billboard or how people were thinking about uh, art and um, how they purchased it for commercial uses. And I think as our world is sort of evolving, what I'm noticing through just my roster of artists and the community that I live in, that people are starting to engage artists in all ways to make art. And that was like one of the reasons why Kate and I kind of came together in such a unexpected and totally beautiful way because it was I live in a two-dimensional world where I you know make stuff for film and print and she activates uh, space and body and so it became this like idea like wow if you could connect this sort of non-linear idea and make it um, cohesive and then sell it in a way that feels authentic and not like you're trying to you know, sell somebody, a, you know, something they don't really necessarily need or want, all of a sudden you become desirable. And I think that that's really interesting. Well, for so long, art, design, commerce, they were very siloed. Uh, if you were an artist, uh, it's almost like you weren't allowed to think about money or supporting yourself. You had to kind of exist above circumstance. And uh, design... I think for, at least when I first got into this business, there was this idea that you were almost compromising yourself working for a living. Do you think that's changing? Do you think everything's starting to merge? I think the idea of art and commerce is just inherently that. It's like, how do you be an artist? How are you an artist in any capacity, whether it's working for uh, you know, the government or working for 
uh, you know, a dance troupe or anything in between, like, how do you maintain your own artistic individuality and still be and like inspired and have aspirations of making new stuff that has an, an application? It can be used in ways and 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 helping to change the way clients look at what they want to buy and how they want to buy it. And I think that that's a really important thing too. It's like people are starting to understand that they don't necessarily have to buy or, you know, shoot a car to sell a car. They can kind of come at it in a different way and sell an emotion and sell an idea and sell a, a connection versus actually just being like presenting the thing. Here you go, buy this, please. So I'm also starting to uh, see that you know, my work with my company, that is my, that's my work. That's what I'm, I'm constantly striving to fund. And I'm, I found other avenues to fund my company. Like I, I get commission work, um, in a multitude of ways. Yes. From dance companies, but being someone who is of the body and involves movement, there's other, there's other ways that people will hire me to do that. Um, and so that the funding all kind of funnels through that channel of that the body. When I was starting to look for artists for my roster, and I've been doing it for a while, but like I kind of have a good sense of what I like, and I'm able to kind of edit through what I think is technically amazing and can probably make me money. It's not about that so much. Like I, I really don't care about how much money I make usually. I care about what kind of projects are going to, create leverage to get us to the next place that's going to make the artist feel like empowered and we're going to make rad shit just generally speaking and so when I was doing that sometimes the process takes a little longer like it takes to nurture emerging talent to help edit to help manage to help create because you're not just like one element of it you're like the idea of art and commerce is not just okay, make this thing, put it out here, somebody buys it two minutes later. It's, it usually takes, like, my mentor said to me once, it takes 18 months to get some, a new artist off the ground. And it's like, don't talk to me for 18 months because it takes so much energy and a constant state of uh, movement and thought to move uh, any idea forward and to create real change. So you make... You make decisions on who you work with, on who you represent, not based on necessarily thinking about the bottom line, but you make decisions based on what inspires you, what you get excited about, knowing totally. that that will later lead to success. Well, I've had three failed businesses, so I don't know if it's always led to success, but it is now. <laughs> uh, no, I think sometimes you have to, like, there is, I, to me, there's no such thing as failure. Sometimes... It's just an opportunity to get better at what you do, to understand why you didn't do it the way you should have done it or why you wanted to do it differently or listen to yourself in ways that you should have and didn't. Like, There's lots of reasons why success... I, I kind of don't necessarily believe in success. I believe in hard work and opportunity come together at the same time. And it just happens to be a moment in time that is wonderful and it'll pass and then you'll have another moment. And it just is like this sort of ambiguous flow of energy, which is, I think, the human condition in some ways. <laughs> Not to get too heavy. <laughs> so, Kate, I imagine to do what you do, you, you kind of have to go into this creative bubble um, where you, 
you kind of focus just on the, your creative process. But yet, in doing that, you still have to deal with circumstance. You still have to pay your rent. How do you how do you balance those two things? How do you go into your zone, but yet also combine your left and your right brain? Yeah, it's very difficult. I I leave in a week for a month long residency, which I am very excited about. When you told so, me that, I was like, I was like, that's amazing. You just- <laughs> yeah, so it it's hard. Like sometimes it's the worst when it feels when when being a choreographer, when being a director feels like work. Because generally what I do doesn't feel like work. It's I'm in the studio. It's like, it's, it's the good place to be. But you know, when you get loads of commissions coming in and you're in, in, in constraints and you have four hours a day or sorry, like two hours a day, um, for three weeks to make an evening length work. Like it, it feels like work. You have to, yeah, the creative process feels strained a little bit. So yeah, I'm definitely going through time periods like that, but I feel like I, I, I gain a lot of, uh, a lot out of that. Like for instance, the last work that I created splurge land that was created over three different rehearsal residencies for a total of like 12 weeks of work with my dancers and with all the collaborators on board. I found that that was really great in a lot of ways, but it was also, it was luxurious. There was a lot of time. Um, and I felt like maybe the process could have benefited from, from more constraints. So for the next, my next piece that's premiering, I decided let's just cut basically that time in half. Let's do a six week creation process in one and like a month and a half and see what happens. Like all the information that I gained out of that last process, like I'm going to do it more efficient for money, for this, like for all of the, that. so yeah. And during that time, you're not only designing a dance performance, you're also working with lighting designer, sound, visual artists. So collaboration is a huge part of what you do. Yeah. And uh, Maria concurrently. Yeah everything that comes out of your studio involves so many people. Yeah. How do you guys approach collaboration? Well, I just identify all the badass people that I can figure out and find and I <laughs> ask them if they want to work with me. I beg them, I plead with them, I convince them why it's important they need to know me and work with me. And uh, usually it works. I'm pretty persuasive. <laughs> but yeah, no, collaboration is hard. Like, it's connecting people that are going to not only be inspired by each other, but make something bigger than themselves. And when it works and when it's right, it's, it's like that magical like fairy dust that lives in this land that you can't touch so much. And, and it feels amazing. It's like there's no drug that's better when you make something and you're proud of it and you want to put it out into the world and you couldn't have done it without your community or a person who is going to help you articulate exactly what you have here and make it tangible. So collaboration is like essential in everything that we do in all ways. I think not just in the the realm of art, but in how we live our lives. For me, collaboration is like, it's a very key component to do what I do, as you were saying. And it's something that I put a lot of thought into. Yeah, I'm at all of the, like there's so many badasses in our community, but in order to make the the right, 
Like, I think about collaboration sometimes like a wiffle ball. Like, I know that sounds dumb, but it's like there's all these, like, holes. And if, like, one piece doesn't fit into it, it's not right. So, like, yeah, that one person may be, like, an incredible musician or sound designer, but they're not right for the for this one part. Yeah, there. I also have a few main collaborators that I've had on board for a long time, and I've found that that is... Um, really key to my process also like people that know me people that yes. know the way that I work and then when new people come on board we're able to like take them on that journey with us I think that's a really good yeah. point I think sometimes collaboration can only get better through time and through understanding of how somebody works and sometimes you can't understand that within the first year of getting to know them or the first two projects you do it's like over a course of like, I have some of my artists on my roster I've been working with for, like, the last five years. And now it's, like, so dialed in that I can, I don't have to even say anything. They're already giving me the thing that I need. Um, and so we have, like, this well-oiled machine. And there's loyalty and support and community in that. And I think part of collaboration is identifying when something works, uh, knowing that, yeah, there's probably a billion other things that are going to be better or more exciting or could be, you know, more influential in some way. But there's something so incredible about building somebody, something with someone that understands you. It's the relationship. It's the relationship. Yeah. yeah. In both of your collaboration processes, you both are at the helm, your leaders. Do you have a certain style? Do you think about yourself in those roles? Do you think of yourself as leaders? And if so... Um, how do you how do you approach that role? I don't think of myself as a leader. I'm such know, a leader. Shut up. I'm not. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I I feel like I work with people who are equally as powerful as I am, and we come together in like what I was just saying, and we make something together that's bigger than ourselves. And like Charlie Strzok and. Kyle Johnson and everybody that's specifically on my roster, I couldn't make, we couldn't get where we're going if we didn't have the same energy and power and passion and connection to it. If I was just the only person on top of a mountain screaming, listen to me, hello, like nobody, it's, it's the community, it's how we do it together. So I don't put myself, there's no pedestal that I live on, there's no hierarchy. I mean, I do get spicy and tell people how to do something when I don't like what's going on, but I think that's important. I think that there's importance in like identifying how things can go faster and work smarter, not harder. Like, I think that that's a really beautiful thing, but I'm, de I'm definitely focused on that, but I don't put myself above anybody that I work with. Yeah, I when I first started making work and, you know, when I'm, when you're in that place where you're trying to have autonomy as an artist, it was being a leader was something that I felt like I, I had to be like, I had to control the situation all the time. Like I wanted everything to be perfect. And as my pieces started to evolve, as my collaborators started to shift or become more stable inside of our relationship, like I found that trust is the biggest thing inside of inside of collaboration like yeah I'm leading it at the end of the day it's like oh yeah I like that choice or I don't like that choice but I I think that it makes the work more loose it makes it have more risk and more experience when you're like in a room with a dancer or 
the lighting designer and you're like, you know what, I just trust you to make this choice. Like we all know the greater good of the work that we're trying to make and no one's trying to take that for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. But that goes back to identifying good collaborators. Cause if you work with somebody who is not going to have an ego and there's like no opportunity for that to create a break in the flow of communication to create a splinter in the uh, momentum like it's about being humble to what it is you do and how you can do it together better and I think real amazing simple outrageously inspiring art and work especially in fine art but also in advertising and editorial is when that happens seamlessly and it's almost you don't even realize it's happening because it's so effortless and it, it's beautiful. Like there are a million photographers who are only as good as their producers and stylists and all of the people that um, are behind them that are helping them to become the identity that they are. Do, uh, do you consider each other collaborators? Hell yeah. Yeah. I think something's really interesting, though, that I wonder if it's like a like what's happening in our the landscape of our industry right now is like when I was Kate's age, because one of the reasons why I love Kate and I think we're good collaborators is there's many years in between us. And so sometimes she offers perspective that I don't uh, I don't necessarily see right away and vice versa. And so I think inherently just in the nature of our relationship comes like deep support and um, uh, exciting opportunity. But when I was your age, I was so aggressive and I was so hell-bent on being a leader that I lost sight of what was important. And I had a lot of really intense lessons that sort of brought me down to my knees and made me realize that I have to work hard. And I never really understood what hard work was until the last five years of my life. Hard work is simply that. It is a constant state of energy and thought no matter what time of day, no matter how hard it is, like what emotional state you're in, like what you'd rather do. Like if you're so dedicated to making something, that is, it's it. That is like the number one thing. And that is an extension of who I am as a person. And it's an extension of like the energy around my company and the people that I want to represent and the, and how we make art. Yeah, I think it, that is what art and commerce is. It's like the love of what you do. My goal as an, as a as a choreographer as a dancer is to be on like the edge of my form. I feel like that is something that I'm constantly writing about. Is like how do I push the form of performance? Like how am I pushing the lines of dance and being exposed to the different communities that Maria and other people have introduced me to has l lent perspective to that and the conversations that we share. Like, I feel like that is a collaboration totally. that's happening between us, like pushing the form. Yeah, but I'm also so impressed that where you are in your career and how you think about life, you're so much more open to where I was when I was your age. Like, it's just like, there's something totally different about how you're approaching your career. And I, I don't know if it's just because we're different people, but I think that there's a, a consciousness that's shifting in how people are taking um, or respecting younger talent, emerging talent, the evolution of what art is and not just having it be based on academia and, you know, like is this, credits and- Is this specifically a Seattle thing or? 
I think that talent rises to the top. So it, you can't, it's undeniable when somebody is making something that's amazing, it doesn't matter where they are. It just so happens Seattle is on the cutting edge, in my humble opinion, of really rad shit right now. Like everybody's doing cool stuff um, in every way, music, design, style. I, I think everybody agrees and recognizes that uh, Seattle's creative landscape is changing and evolving. Is it similar for, say, the performing arts as it is for photographers and designers? Seattle just has a history of innovation, and it's kind of always been in the tech industry and like a lot of other industries on the edge of something. And I think that directly translates into performance. There's time, there's space, there's funding, and there's... uh, nature everywhere and I think that that really personally that has been a huge influence in my creative process and I notice it with my colleagues in in the performance world like people are making work spending time on making work and are very intentional about what they're making and there's there's support for that here absolutely I feel like Seattle is weird like I could move to New York and probably create a life that is monetarily way more exciting than what I'm currently at, but that's not what I choose. That's not the quality of life that I want. And going back to that idea that sometimes it takes longer to create the thing because you're more in line with the actual thing that you want to make versus praying to a a money God or whatever it is you think you want to make over here. Sometimes it takes longer and I can't do that without trees and green and clean air and water and I've never lived in a place that has supported that energy better than this town ever. I see Seattle as still being in this transition period uh, going from identifying as a small city to growing into its identity as a center of creativity design and innovation but cities like New York London even Los Angeles they carry with them a pedigree living and working in these cities adds value to the work you're doing. Is Seattle in the process of achieving this type of recognition status, or, or has it already? Well, from the, a performance perspective, uh, I, I, Seattle is becoming this like second home to dance or second city to dance to New York City. Um, I think New York is really exciting as a performer because there's a lot of different opportunities. You can dance for the opera, you can dance on Broadway, you can you know you can do all these different things and still be like committed to your collaborative work or whatever. But I feel like Seattle is in this place where those opportunities are starting to emerge as well. Maybe not so much in the commercial world, but I see that there's more non-commercial world related work that is happening. So you can be a freelance dancer here and have that career for yourself, which I don't know. It it seems like it would just be different in New York or in LA? Well, the last few jobs that I've worked on, Nordstrom being one of them, they are taking risks. The bigger companies here are all taking risks to bring in talent that's not just regional, but also activating the regional space and bringing in artists that um, just because they're in the backyard doesn't mean they're less than of a value. And I feel like all of a sudden this one thing is happening where the last few jobs we've done have been... uh, New York magazines flying my artists to New York to shoot. And like, it's, it doesn't really matter where we are anymore in the world. It's like I was saying about talent rising to the top. Talent will shine no matter where you are. And 
Um, and, and I've made it a personal goal to sort of uh, eliminate this idea that just because we're in a regional space that we're not regional talent. And like, I come from the East Coast Midwest and like, that's the world that I grew up in. And I come here and I'm just like, let's do this. Like, we've got this. Like, everybody here is outrageously talented. They're just not as vocal. And so all of a sudden I'm like, okay, come on, come on, come on. Let's talk about this. Like, let's go. Let's, like, everybody, let's move faster. We got to move a little faster. Because once you do, and once you connect with that energy, you just like, you just fly. And you, and you get it. But and people get it in, in Los Angeles and in New York and San Francisco because it's undeniable. I've said this before that Seattle has a history of downplaying people in yeah. Seattle. They downplay what they do. Mm -hmm. Well, for me, I always like Seattle's like the secret in the dance world for me a little bit that like I don't want to overly expose because it's like I feel like I, you know, there's only so many individual donors who want to support dance. There's only so many grants that will support the support artists here. So it's like, I feel like we have it like good here, you know, in the performance world. So it, it rides that line where it's like, yeah, it's not just regional talent. It's like world renowned talent that's happening here. Mm -hmm. But like how, how big should it, should it go? You know, like we, we want, I want the dance world to explode and Dancers, there's so many people that are just moving here to create performance, which is really exciting. It's growing the community. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, oh, those are my resources. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> but I think I can find the resources other places. <laughs> yeah, which is, that's exciting. You just have to ask other people. <laughs> I think you just don't, you're not, you shouldn't be afraid. That's, a, that's actually great to to end on. Don't be afraid. Thank you, everyone. <laughs>